0: Hello and welcome to Our Food is Our Future, presented by Eat Well Saskatchewan and the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan. I'm your host and food explorer, Mo Matthew. This week's guest is author Amy Jo Eman. She has published the book, Out of Old Saskatchewan Kitchens. It is a historical look at the foodways of the prairies from the days of the fur trade to the arrival of the first settlers. The cookbook is a retelling of Saskatchewan events through the lens of food, from the signing of the treaties in the Métis uprising of 1885 to the founding of Saskatchewan in 1905. Her book includes cherished traditional recipes that celebrate the lives of the people of our great province. Her other work that celebrates the food culture here in Saskatchewan is Prairie Feast, a light-hearted look at the foods that we celebrate here on the Plains. She grew up on a farm in Treaty 4 Territory and now lives in Saskatoon. Everybody, this is Amy Jo. Okay, so everybody, this is Amy Jo. Amy Jo, I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from, your background, and uh, your current role.
1: Oh, sure. Thank you. Thanks, Mo. Well, I grew up on a farm in Saskatchewan. For a while, I worked as a journalist in the newspaper and at CBC, but then I decided to become a freelance writer based here in Saskatoon, and during that time, I had the time to write a couple books about food in Saskatchewan, so I'm thinking that's probably why you've invited me on this podcast today, because of (laughs) the two books I wrote. The first one was Prairie Feast, and that was about growing up on this land of Saskatchewan and our food ways here and our food traditions from rink burgers to fall suppers to Saskatoon berry picking. And then the second one that I wrote is called Out of Old Saskatchewan Kitchens. And this is kind of a look at the history of Saskatchewan through the lens of food, from the fur trade through the treaties, through the arrival of the settlers, and what people ate on this land, and sort of the foodways that settlers brought with them that they tried to uh, continue eating as a sort of a touchstone to their home culture while they were here on Saskatchewan land as best they as best they could do. So it's sort of food in the early days in Saskatchewan. So those are the two. Um, books and studies that I've done of food in Saskatchewan that relate to the topic of food traditions and the future of food.
0: Love it. I ha- I have both books. Uh, I was lucky enough to have one of them signed by you, so that was uh, a <laughs> th- that was a really big deal for me. Um, <laughs> I really uh, appreciate the the historical background to it and the kind of um family touches that you added to your books it feels like i know you better after reading the books so that was that was a good thing for me um well thank you thanks yeah well thank you in doing your kind of research or reminiscing or um looking back into the past did you find that there was food traditions that overlapped from culture to culture
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the thing that struck me in a very general way is how you can take a narrow set of ingredients and do so many different things with it. Maybe by just changing the method of cooking it, by changing uh, uh, the spice that you include with it and the way that it's served at the table. It's just amazing that you can take the ingredients that we grow here on the land in Saskatchewan and really make dishes from all over the world with them because all over the world they're using the same ingredients that we are growing here. And it seems kind of broad saying that, but I'll give you maybe even just a simple example of the things that you can do with with a, a dough like a dumpling and how you serve it. So if you're doing it in an Italian tradition, you might be making ravioli. If you're doing it in a Ukrainian tradition, you might be making vareniki. But it's exactly the same ingredients that go into that. It's just a different way that you form it and the different way you serve it. Bread is a super example of this as well because we all Most of us. I love bread and breads from all over the world are so different, but they're all the basic same basic ingredients. So I think what you've said is so true that there's a huge overlap of the things that we can cook, that other people in the world are cooking for the dinner the same day that we are. They're eating the same
0: foods. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And all the cultures think their way is the best. So that's also good.
1: (laughs) Yes. That's what we call comfort foods. Those foods that our moms or grandmas or grandpas did the best.
0: Absolutely. I I totally think that. Um, Getting taught how to cook when I was younger That was a big thing in our house before I went to culinary school that you cook with love and appreciation for your ingredients and it'll taste better. And then when you go through cooking school and you get into big name kitchens, it's one of those things. Do you respect the ingredients? Are you having a good day? Put a smile on your face. And it rings so true. And it's funny that my grandma and my great grandma showed me that when I was younger.
1: That's
0: beautiful. Very beautiful. So on that that last answer you kind of kind of went into this already but does the raw food ingredient from where you live uh change the way you cook and what you cook because i think when you're saying all the traditions that come with people that settled the land they brought those traditions but they're gonna have to play with the stuff that they can get so you know is there is there anything that we feel changed because of the ingredients
1: I think a lot of things did change in the beginning for the f- early settlers who came here because they couldn't get the ingredients, that all of the ingredients that they would have known back home. But they they made the dishes that they could get the ingredients for. So they probably didn't have the whole repertoire of what they would have cooked back in Denmark, say, or Ukraine but they cooked what they could. They were very adaptable to what they could find here and they made the most of it. And, um, you know, a lot of things weren't available in our stores and, and very seasonal. The ingredients were very seasonal, but there were certain things that you could get. For instance, dry spices and dried currants. And those sorts of like dried apples, those were things that you could get in in general stores back in the day, and so they they would use them to the best advantage that they could to make their dishes it's actually really quite heartwarming to see how they adapted what they what they knew from a recipe that they brought from home and what they could get here and how they did it as best they possibly could so that they could maintain that connection for their families and their children growing up here in Saskatchewan with what they would have considered their home country back somewhere else.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a that's a kind of a neat thing that everything changes, but everything stays the same.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And as grocery stores became more prolific or or distances, it wasn't so you know, you didn't go to a grocery store just once a month, like the early pioneers might have, as things became more available, they adapted their recipes until they were back, making them the way that they originally had been made in their home country as they were able to get these ingredients. A really good example of this is, for example, a dish, a dessert that we see a lot of here in Saskatoon, anyways, at markets and stuff, is vinaterta, which is this, it's sort of Icelandic, it's like a layer cake where you have layers of cake and then layers of cooked down prunes, you know, so it's like a layer of white cake and then a dark layer of prune in between. Well, prunes is something you could get in Saskatchewan a hundred and some years ago because they were a dried plum. And so they were available. And I think the reason that Veneterta is something that's still being made and cherished in Saskatchewan today is because there were prunes back then. So it's something that families continued to make even after they came here to Saskatchewan, and it's still a touchstone for those families for whom that is part of their cultural heritage. Yeah,
0: that's that's true. I uh, researched a lot of old cookbooks, like old cookbooks, 40s, 50s, 60s, and mm-hmm. uh, I, it always amazes me how many pineapple recipes are in those things. It's like well, <laughs> we don't, we've never had pineapple. Why, why is pineapple one of our, one of our signature things? I, I don't understand.
1: <laughs> I looked at a lot of cookbooks as well, uh, and I'll tell you a couple of tre- two trends that I saw in looking at those old cookbooks is at some point in the as you know 40s 50s as those things started being available in the grocery stores and the companies that wanted you to buy them they put out their little recipe booklets for pineapple or for oranges as those things became more available in the grocery store they wanted you to cook with them and then in about the 60s or 70s these old cookbooks or the cookbooks start having a section in there called pioneer recipes or days that were done it's like there was a generation now that no longer knew those recipes by heart. And so their mothers and grandmothers were including those recipes in their cookbooks, church cookbooks and community cookbooks. Suddenly they were putting in those recipes that had been cooked from scratch and by memory for 50, 60, 70 years. And they were worried that the next generation wasn't gonna be able to do it. So they started putting them in their cookbooks.
0: Probably really smart Uh, because yeah we we, there's always gaps so Uh it's it's good for us to keep refreshed on that this this kind of this kind of plays into the next question and that is what the term traditional food means to you because we look at this we look at our program here through an indigenous lens but uh, Mm -hmm. that's not the only people that live in saskatchewan and so how do we define traditional foods? to you? Uh,
1: I guess for me, traditional foods are those foods I I would think I was going to say that I grew up on, but even maybe going back, the foods that my grandparents grew up on, maybe my parents when they were young, they're the foods of this land. And also the foods that remind me of my childhood, perhaps growing up on the farm as well. So traditional can have a broad sense of being the foods of the place where you are, but also a personal sense because they're the traditional foods, the culture of your family as well. So I kind of look at traditional foods on two levels like that. But in both on both levels, I also see them as foods that are scratch made, starting with raw ingredients and put together, as you said earlier, put together with love and serve to your family.
0: Yeah. I think in that we, we have an opportunity to see food play a role in healing and wellness. And Mm -hmm. he he, wellness comes from that putting uh sharing a meal together with your, your family. So it's her, you know, if you get a cold do you reach for something specific? Are you feeling down what are you uh what are you going to eat
1: <laughs> well um sort of um let me think when I'm coming out of a cold, macaroni and cheese is my comfort food, and <laughs> I could run for a craft dinner box, but i I like it way better if it's made from scratch, you know with you know melted cheese and a in a cream sauce and you know, macaroni that I've just boiled myself. So I don't know if that really fits in the category of traditional foods, but for me it's a comfort food. And I guess the word comfort food can really apply to that whole category of traditional foods because they are the ones that you go to when you're maybe feeling homesick or feeling missing family members or not not completely well like a cold or something like that so or when it's minus 40 out and so you know another another thing for me would be soups you know i love to make soups from scratch and so those seem like comfort foods for me i also make a lot of bread so anything with bread seems like a comfort food to me even a pizza you know where you're using a basic bread dough so Those all fall in that category of wellness foods for me because they make me feel feel better than I did before I was eating them.
0: That's right. That's right. And that's such a a big part of it. I mean, if you're in a, a good mental space after you eat something or drink something, I think invoking memories of, you know, when we were kids or when somebody else was taking care of us. I think that's part of that, too.
1: Mm-hmm. especially when they've done it with love and with, with fresh and ingredients that they've put together for us. I, I don't think of, I don't think of comfort foods or traditional foods as being like a bag of potato chips or a burrito that you throw in the microwave. That may be fast food and may satisfy a hunger in immediate moment, but that's not the food that's nourishing us
0: body and soul. Right. So, in your opinion, as a historical food observer, do you believe there are certain foods that stand above others as a detriment to our wellness in for us and our communities?
1: So are you asking me, are there foods that are bad for us?
0: In a roundabout way, yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Junk food. Yes, there's... Isn't that the the what they now are terming the North American or American diet It is bad for us. It's processed foods. It's foods that you don't cook. You just nuke. Um, It's foods full of ingredients that you can't read or pronounce and, and simply are not food, you know foods full of non foods. So um, I think those foods are bad for us and not on a, not if we have it every now and then, but if that's our basic diet, we're not, we're not being kind to ourselves. We're not being kind to our health, to our bodies. I mean, you know, uh, it seems so obvious to say this, but what we eat, I mean, we are ingesting it. It is becoming us. It's it is our health and wellness, both physically and emotionally and mentally. Our wellness is based on what we eat. And so obviously those foods that promote physical and emotional wellness are the things we should be eating most of the time. And those things that contribute nothing to that, I think those are the foods we're best to avoid most of the time.
0: So what, what changes can we make uh, for our health and well-being? And what, what can we do right now to make those changes?
1: Wow, that's a big question, because it's hard to change one's eating habits quickly. And the first thing I would say is cook from scratch, you know, learn to cook, cook for the people that you are sitting down to eat with. But that's so easy to say. It's it's not the easiest thing to do on a daily basis when you're a busy person, when you can't get to a grocery store, when, you know, you're juggling budgets and things like that but that to me would be the basic one basic thing to start with is to cook from scratch with real ingredients and yeah. get yourself a few dishes that you're you get really kind of good at that you like to share with people and yeah just feed, feed yourself good healthy food that you've made yourself
0: yeah, I I totally agree. I I I live behind kind of the mantra of our podcast that food is medicine. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you you start talking about putting in food that actually it's not just, you know, keeps us up or keeps us going, but that nourishes us from start mm-hmm. to finish. And that's that's the important thing because Across the world, the food is medicine approach has been done since the Greeks and all cultures and all all the people. And now we, we're saying it's kind of an indigenous thing or a traditional food thing, but I think it's just a smart thing sometimes.
1: Yes, and I think we have to also, um, how do I put this? It is an indigenous thing because... All around the world, it is indigenous people who gave us the foods that we eat today, whether they were indigenous to South America and growing tomatoes, uh, indigenous to Greece and growing olives, these are the food ways that began with indigenous peoples where they lived and they knew what was healthy food for them. It was the food that they could produce that kept their families healthy And that was available to them on their land. And so I think eating, eating in traditional food ways to get back to that topic could be eating indigenous ways on the land where you live right now or indigenous ways to your particular culture, because that takes you back to the beginning, back to the beginning of food, when all those other things that are not healthy for you were not even available to to eat and to feed your families.
0: Yeah. That's it's the way it was, right? And so that's really the way neat. It was. I yeah. I totally appreciate right now that the institutions in Saskatchewan are trying to include more traditional indigenous foods into their mm-hmm. food service systems. Um, yeah. do you see this as a as a positive way forward?
1: Absolutely. I think it's so important to eat the food <laughs> to be healthy to eat the foods that you your body is used to that your body has known since you were a child or that you've known through those people who've cooked for you with love so i think it's so important and by institutions and things i'm i'm guessing i don't know like maybe you're referring to hospitals and seniors homes and that sort of thing I just think it's definitely so important for the health and well-being of those that we care for, whether in our homes or our institutions, that we give them the foods that their, their bodies and their minds recognize as good food for them. From wherever they, wherever they grew up and where, whatever qualifies that for them. I think, and and part of this, why I'm saying this, is part of on on this nutritional research that's being done now on on the um the microbiome in our digestive systems. You know, the bugs inside of us that are doing the digestion for us, it's different in every one of us, and it's based on where we were born, what the first things we ate, what does what illnesses we've had along the way. But when you feed yourself those foods that Your internal digestive system and the bugs in there recognize it's just going to make you healthier eating those foods. And like I say, it it can be different for all of us. So we have to ask ourselves, what is it for me that makes me feel good? What is it for my grandma, my grandfather that makes them feel good? Those are the foods that we should be celebrating and providing to the people that we're feeding in in our lives.
0: Yep. If it comes out and you have something you recognize, you'll, you'll like it. If you don't recognize it, you're not going to like it. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. we eat what we know. Um, Yes. Yeah. In that, and this is kind of a personal question, but what is your favorite Saskatchewan ingredient? um, And how do you use that ingredient? (laughs) I
1: think I'd have to say if I could pick one ingredient that I use more than any other ingredient in my kitchen, it's probably flour. Because I make a lot of bread and I love making cakes and and cookies and share making a dozen buns and sharing them with someone. So making bread and baking and that sort of thing is something that I put my love and attention and caring into and want to give as as a token of my my friendship or appreciation or just to share with people. But um, it's a pretty, pretty broad ingredient saying flour. I think if, if I were going to pick a more specific ingredient, I'd probably say the berries of Saskatchewan because both culturally for me and food wise, I think berries are st- are so healthy for me. I grew up picking Saskatoon berries, so they're very much a cultural touchstone for me and my family. There was no special occasion in my family, including Christmas dinner, that we didn't have a Saskatoon berry pie. You know, freezers full of berries. It's like you were only as wealthy as the number of milk cartons full of Saskatoon (laughs) berries that were in the freezer. And I've branched out a little bit more. I've discovered since I was a kid that we have blueberries here too. But growing up on the southern prairie, I didn't even know you had blueberries. So thankfully, I've discovered that and cranberries and other berries that we have here. And I think berries are so healthy for us that I try to get berries in my diet, if not every day, frequently. I'm that's probably one of my more favorite ingredients. Wow.
0: Every from day that's, that's amazing. Just to have just to have that kind of tenacity about making sure you're eating them. That's that's a great oh thing.
1: yeah. One year my New Year's resolution was to eat berries every day. I used to try and pick New Year's resolutions that are easy to do. <laughs> I think eating berries <laughs> every day is, is one of them. One year it was eating beans every day. That was, that was pretty fun too. I have to say beans, lentils, chickpeas in that category. Those are among some of my favorite ingredients as well.
0: Oh, nice. That's, that's good. Cause we grow all that stuff here. That's great. We
1: do. Yes. It's, it's all here. We can eat it locally.
0: Yes. That's, that's what we're talking about. Um, when we're, when we have those though, we have our grow season. So preserving foods, is kind of important um and it's not really important today but it used to be a survival thing and it's kind of making a comeback right now uh just a few years ago they were starting to i forget how it went but um uh, they were going to stop making canning equipment there was some canning equipment they weren't going to do and it caused runs on the you know the local canadian tire and and so now i think they've sorted that out but how do you see that? Do you see that making a comeback right now and and what's the reason for that?
1: I think it has made a comeback and I'm I think it was starting before the pandemic and maybe that's a skill that people had time for during the pandemic because they were spending a lot of time at home so maybe they tried it but I definitely think that canning and preserving and making your own jams and things like that is mm, yeah I think it's I think it's quite popular now, at least uh, as I'm observing it amongst my friends and, and myself. So, and also we have freezers now, which they didn't have back in the day. So it's so berries freeze so well. So that's a a good thing. And even making freezer jams and jellies and stuff like that are very feasible for us today. And they're fun to make, and they don't take a lot of time and effort. So um, I definitely think people are going in that direction. And feeling very proud of their accomplishments in the canning department
0: yeah as, as well they should it's it's a tricky business but I think mm-hmm. when we're talking about you know health and wellness and and what we feel as healthy foods and traditional foods we go back to that scratch cooking um, and mm-hmm. even when we're canning you're making something from scratch to actually can so yeah. do Do you believe that improving the food that we're making will impact our our state of health for our futures and our communities that are doing this?
1: Absolutely. How can it not? It's real food from where you live, not traveled around the world, just from right here where you live, and both nutritionally it's the future i hope but also economically because if we purchase foods from those people in our community who are doing the preserving you know if we're not doing it ourselves we purchase it from those people who are doing the picking and the preserving and the growing we're we're helping a wider community where we live and that That's also part of of loving and caring for the community and supporting each other in those food ways. We don't have to do it all ourselves in order to enjoy the benefits of that food culture right here on the land where we live. I don't pick blueberries every summer. I mean, I live miles away from uh, the blueberry fields in the boreal forest, but I have a friend who picks them and I buy buckets and buckets of blueberries from him. So I think that there's... You know, I think tapping into these foodways is a future, can be a future for us. If we make the effort, we can do it.
0: Love it. Love it. And and it feels like something, you know, if we're going to share around the work, we can do it.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I make buns for people because they do something for me. And I just think it's it's a way of, like you say, share the work, share the love, share the food. It takes some effort. Absolutely. Absolutely. A person as an individual has to make a commitment to themselves that they're going to eat this way. They're going to explore what's available. They're going to find out where they can source it locally. They're going to pick those things that are most important to them and source them locally and not worry about the other ingredients that they might have to purchase from somewhere else. And they're they you know, to make it and share it with those that you want to experience this love of food ways and love of uh, traditional foods and indigenous foods right here where we live. I think it's, like I say, it's a personal commitment, but I find it super rewarding.
0: Yeah, well, if we're going to make our communities healthier and stronger, it's going to take some commitment on everybody's part. So, yeah, a good point. Yeah.
1: And what um, a great way to start, but with food.
0: Yeah, right around the table in on our podcast here. Our food is our future. We always kind of say thanks for your time. Thanks for your experience and your expertise. But we're going to ask you one more question because we always want to wrap it up with what would you. So do you have any advice for any youth listening to the podcast for specific to health and wellness, but really any kind of future thoughts for our youth?
1: Wow. Yeah, I guess. Well, I'll stick with the topic of food is try and eat real food, I guess, you know, try and think about the foods that are traditional and important to you, both culturally and health wise and the touchstone for your family and try and find a way, you know, even if it's just once a week to get those foods. On your table and to eat those foods. Maybe it's like calling up grandma or grandpa and saying I'm coming for dinner tonight, or you know, finding, getting a recipe from them and trying to do it yourself. I just think that it might take baby steps, but every baby step is a step forward. And I think you know, um, if you make, I think I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. If you make a commitment to yourself to move in that direction and you just do a little bit at a time, just think where you'll be in 10 years from now. You know, you'll be eating super healthy local indigenous traditional foods that really mean something to you in terms of your physical health, your emotional health and your your loving kindness to the people that you share your your da- your table with and that you share your life with.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful take on that, Amy Jo. Thank you very much for that. And and thank you very much for your time today. I totally appreciate it. I've, I've always been a fan of your food writing, and I'm an even bigger fan of your excitement about our food. So thank you very much for your time. Thank
1: you so much for chatting with me, Mo. It's been really fun.
0: Have a great day.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Bye now. Bye. I would like to take this opportunity to thank Eat Well Saskatchewan for their continuing support of our podcast, Our Food is Our Future. Eat Well Saskatchewan is a free provincial service offered by the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan and funded in part by Indigenous Services Canada. Eat Well Saskatchewan is here to help bridge the gap for nutrition services to rural, remote, and isolated communities that lack easy access to dietitians. And a huge thank you goes out to the Community Initiatives Fund for our funding and their vision. Without their support, we couldn't tell the stories of our people, our communities, our food, and our future. A heartfelt thank you and mercy.